Takashi Scholar. Today we are going to be reviewing Chloe Fong's duology, These Violent Delights and Our Violent Ends. It's very different from what we usually uh, review. We've been doing a lot of adult content, spicy adult content. This is young adult, still very good. Um, we were looking for a two book series, which is very rare nowadays. Yeah, and something to tame the steam from Touch of Bruin. And give us a refresh and a restart because Bloodlands releases this Wednesday. And let me tell you, we are ready. So grab your drink, grab your book, Bestie, and let's go. All right, guys. We read These Violent Delights and Our Violent Ends. Um, we were getting kind of like a refresh restart after all of, we kind of did a lot of new adult and we've been reviewing a lot of new adult besides um kingdom of the wicked kingdom of the wicked was yeah. still like like a spice level of like 0.5 uh, it was i think it's the tension that was so delicious in kingdom of the wicked but um yeah there was not a lot of spice we're hoping that the next book will be spicy but this one is is more of like a good story to read, uh, a better interpretation. Yeah, a better interpretation of Romeo and Juliet. Something that I think, if I were a middle schooler and I was forced to read Romeo and Juliet, I'd probably prefer reading this version. Yes. Yeah. And what I really like too is I, if you get a chance, sometimes I'm guilty of it too. Like I'll skip like the um, shout outs or like in the beginning or like at the end the extras or the acknowledgments. Mm -hmm. This time I didn't. A lot of these stories, she even says, you know, she obviously grew up in America and her parents grew up. She's Chinese-American, Chloe Gong. She wrote this when she was get, getting her undergraduate, which I don't know about y'all, but I was barely surviving my undergraduate. <laughs> I don't think I even combed my hair my whole undergraduate. <laughs> so I, I am not sure what all these young, beautiful writers are doing. And I it, it amazes me. And that just reminds me of how fierce uh, women writers are. I mean, you've got a lot of people that were doing things. I mean, I you just I inspiring. It's inspiring to see you know, you got like Sarah J. Mass wrote a whole book series when she was sixteen. I was over here chasing boys. I'll just be real with you. I was doing <laughs> stuff I shouldn't have been doing and I wish I was <laughs> like Sarah J. Mass and Chloe Gong and had my life together. Don't regret it though. Ka hey, I got some great stories from a kid. You do as I say, not as I do. Yes. Learn from your mother. We shall save that for another podcast. But I can say reading this, I would have never thought she was in school still or she was an undergrad or she was young. The writing is just, it's very, it's very well written. Yes, very detailed. Uh, you can even hear the sounds and uh, obviously we're reading it. Uh, if it sounds a little bit quiet and it's just both of us going back and forth, it's because we're both we are missing April. Today is just me and I. Next week, um, April will be returning, and the dynamic trio will be back together. Yes. But you know, sometimes life gets the best of us, and that's okay. That is okay. Sometimes we're going to hear podcasts with one or the other. So anyway, um, we're going to go ahead and move on into our book. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. I struggled a lot through it. I guess it was the abundance of sex coming from Touch of Ruin. And then it coming, broke her. Yeah, coming into this book, I was like, okay, where's at least the kissing scene? But it really wasn't about that. Again, I feel like these two books would be a really great version of uh, Romeo and Juliet uh, in middle school or high school. And I think you still get the tension that you need to get. Yeah. And she took, you know, 
what I do also like that she brought in here is like she brought in transgender. Yes. One of one of the characters is transgender because she brought in the LGBTQ community. She brings in politics because this is set in the 1920s Shanghai, so it's the unrest between the nationalists, the communists, and she uses um, like gangs. And she doesn't use the exact gangs that were running around at that time. She kind of made it up, but she used her parents' stories of what was happening during those times to help her write these books. And, Colonization, yep. about how like even in the 1920s, it was like other countries uh, were coming in and pretending, hey, this is a great country. Let's uh, go this ahead and make it This is the Paris own. of the, the East. Yes. And, you know, she makes comments like, well, why can't this be, why can't Paris be the Shanghai of the West? You know, right. it gets you thinking like what people were feeling during those times, you know, because there's obviously more more foreigners, as she calls them, coming in. Mm-hmm. You know, people from Britain, the French, everybody invading, you know, Shanghai and, and trying to get into a part of owning it. Right. And that's kind of what this is about, along with two gangs who are who have a blood feud, just like Romeo and Rome Juliet. Juliet, except in this one, it's Roma Montagog and uh, Juliet, I think it's Sai, is how you say it. Mm-hmm. Please forgive me if I butcher any last names. I'm not very, unless I read the audible, I'm not very good at it. Oh, and, and Romo is Russian. Yes. And, and Juliet is Chinese. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and it's a long blood feud. I mean, they fell in love at what, 13, 14? Yes. And their parents found out and sent her to America. Yes, they did. And there she learned so many different things about how the instability in her country just isn't a thing that she wants. She came back with a reputation of like, oh, she's the man killer or she's the one who just, you know, killed all these people. She's ruthless because she is going to be the heir of a gang. Um, but um, lo and behold, I don't think all of it stays true. It's no. more just because they rumor. And the more you get into like book two, like book one, obviously she does that. To create her image because right. she has to be the good play the part of the good heir i think the same thing with Roma because mm-hmm. in both families you see like okay in the montagogs obviously roma's dad is like all about dimitri because dimitri is that idol heir that he's looking for ruthless savage doesn't fall in love with the enemy type yeah yeah and then juliet has her cousin tyler who's so willing and greedily ready yes. to take it's over like and power driven yeah he's ready to prove like Juliet can't do this look at her she's so weak because she's a woman and she's gonna fall in love look at her look at her and she and he reminds her many times like I'll you know I think he speaks to her in French at one point because the dad's like I'm taking you with me because I don't speak French so you can help me interpret and he speaks to her in French and pretty much just says like I'm waiting for you to be useless so that I can be yeah so. Pretty much. I mean, it's a power struggle on both sides. And the first book, I mean, both books, they end up unexpectedly having to work together because amongst all of this, like, political turmoil and forbidden love, there's a monster wreaking havoc in the city, right? Yes. Uh, At first, it's Roma sees it as a more scientific, like, there is some sort of pathogen or infection. And then it's represented as a monster in the in the book right sorry guys my dog's doing dumb shit in the background <laughs> i can see that and she's like we both have adhd <laughs> so we're looking at her like what in the world are you doing and i it's like she's fighting with the couch and we don't know why but we digress and her dog is a dog. 
Jack Russell, Russell Terrier, Terrier Chihuahua. So you can only hyper city. So on top of our ADHD, we're a hot mess in this household. Yes, yes. Where's April to keep us focused? Right. She'd be like, hey, hey, excuse me. But yeah, you're right. Roma does want to see like a scientific reason of like it's not a monster. There's a scientific explanation of why all of this is happening and they end up having to work together because it's wrecking havoc on the city. It's giving the communists and the nationalists like the nationalists like, come on, the communists are, are it's gotta be the communists. Right. And, and there's all this. No, it's gotta be the white flowers. No, it's gotta be the scarlet gang. If we didn't say in the beginning, Roma's part of the white flower gang, that's the Russian gang, and Juliet is part of the scarlet gang. So yes. that's their name. So everybody's pointing blame. They end up this one, they're secretly working together to figure out what the monster is. Yes. Because the second one, their fathers bring them together to figure out. And it's also very different from, of course, the book. In the book, uh, I mean, from the original, is that here they are, um, they already had this little love affair. And now they betray each other. And they talk about that in, the, in detail in the book. And here you see where clearly Juliet is very scarred and hurt by it. And then Roma is very indifferent to her. And so that I think that's the part that would just piss me off. I'm like, come on, guys. You know, you love each other. But, like, they were really good at, like, hiding those feelings. Feelings, Because you could hear their inner monologue. Mm -hmm. She did a really good job of telling you their inner monologues and then telling you what they actually said to each other. Yes. And, like, their inner monologues are so loving to each other. Like, you know, you find out they did horrible things to each other, right? Like. It, and it basically what they're supposed to die, yeah, right? People like, die, right? They're in a gang when you know you're in gang, shit, gang, gang. Um, that stuff happens, so <laughs> there's just consequence against anybody wants, to yeah. I mean, and any like you don't know, mafia cartel, there's always innocent lives are always told for no reason. But we come to learn why. So she had to go to America because they found out that they were in love with each other, they were sneaking out to see each other, yes, and Roma gave up. The address to where her nurse who raised her and took care of her was much her mother and like bombed it or whatever right. and then you find out what he goes i did it because my dad either told me to go and kill you or to give him information and he tells her i would continue to choose you you over everybody else as selfish as that may sound and then you find out in retaliation like the whole book really got struggling <laughs> with this inner monologue when she finally you know heard what he had to say and she's like oh my god finds out what I did, then we piss. Because this whole time we think Roma's mom died of illness. Right. It, she had some sort of like disease fever or, or some sort something of and she just passed in her sleep. When mm -hmm. we come to find out Juliet in her anger for feeling betrayed by Roma and being sent to America, she thought if I spill a little bit of information to my mom and dad, maybe they won't send me to America. She told her dad the safe house of where Roma's mom Yes. Died. And that was after nurse died, of course. So that was her way of being vengeful. Like, oh, fake love. There's, there's just so much fake hurt back and forth yes. that then miscommunication trope, miscommunication. Yeah, and they did some fucked up things to each other. I mean, that's pretty fucked up already. Yeah. Um, and that's at 1450. Yeah. So uh, I guess, you know, life of the gang members, life of the heirs to the gangs. Um, You're introduced to crime and violence a whole hell of a lot earlier than most children especially if you're the so anyway so yeah so during the book the first book they're talking about how 
uh, all of a sudden these people, like especially this one person walks into uh, the burlesque club, right? That's the... Yeah. Yeah. The one Scarlet... The Scarlet... That the Scarlet owned. And it's a white... It's an American... It's Paul Dexter is his name, right? Or yeah. Is this Walter Dexter first and then Paul Dexter? Yeah, Paul's the son. So Walter walks in first. Yes. And... Well, no, this man rips his throat out in the middle of, like, the rest of the Well, first they're meeting. He's trying to get Juliet's attention and work with me. I got mm-hmm. something for mm-hmm. you. And then in the middle of their meeting, as she's like, I don't got time for this. My dad's giving me this cuddly shit that you're going to think I can handle real shit. Right. This man starts... All of a sudden, in the middle of the dance floor, like tearing out at his neck, and we're talking like ripping his neck to shreds. Like uh, it, she describes how she can see the bone and him ripping his tendons and yes. things like that. Ugh. I, I, I don't think I'd want to see that live. Next. She's very good at her details. Yes, too. and so they start calling it madness because you, you go be, crazy. Yeah, you have, you have to, to be mad, be mad to, to rip, rip your own throat. Throat, and everybody's like trying to like chew it off or get this man out of here, and um. She's just like, no, I want to like keep quiet. I want to hear this man's last word. And that's what's prime for investigation. Yes. Because I think he he whispers something in his in his in his last dying breath to like monster kind of, something. Like monster something to yeah. get her to start thinking like we need to start investigating this shit. Yeah. So that's what happens. Here's here's my clue. And the madness starts taking over the city and killing. Obviously, you know what monsters come about. There's no color, race, origin, whatever. This is just killing the kill. Kind of like right now, our monster is COVID. You know? And I, I think that's that's also the other politicized part is that, um, and they start calling him monster because Kathleen saw the monster. In her eyes, she saw it coming out of the river uh, to, to come to land. And then Roma's version is, of course, when they finally do see what's inside the people's brains, it's these bugs, and they compare them to lice. Um, and so, yeah, again, Roma's doing his like observations and very scientific, and even using the the, the gang scientists to yes. help find answers. And he's like, "Bring me a life specimen." And he's like, "Well, how am I going to sell a life specimen from like ripping his own throat?" Because that's pretty much what they do. Yeah, and then unfortunately, what ends up happening? You know, they they start working together. They're doing their mm-hmm. research together. They're saying, Combine, let's combine our efforts. You tell me what you know, I'll tell you what I know. But in the middle of it, Roma's little sister, Alisa, yes, gets infected. And you can clearly see he has a really tiny smile for his little sister. Because um, he loves her so much. And that was the part that kind of aggravated me, is that Juliet didn't really react. Like, she just escaped with everyone else in her family. And she didn't really react to Roma's, like, my sister's dying. She was like, okay, fine. I guess I'll help. When I'm like, but you love this dude. She got to play the part. I know. I'm like, but you love this dude. And his sister's dying. And so they managed to keep the sister alive. They put her in an induced coma. Yes. And that's what prompts the rush in trying to find what this is, try and find her cure. Because if not, I mean, every time they take her out of the induced coma, she starts ripping out of her neck. Yeah. Trying to kill herself. Oh, and prior to her ripping her own neck out, she started getting very itchy, like she had yohos, yohos on her head. And she was very, like, agitated, like, agitated and all over the place kind of thing before all of a sudden she started. And this was because they were having a meeting um, to try to see if the gangs were going to work together to uh, find, find the monster. The monster. And, so, in this whole book, too, the other, there's, like, there's so many 
playing cards with everyone's trying to stop communism from coming about yes as is the rest of the world right this communism at this time was like the big oh no you know um which is also the other part of our silent war the beginning of the silent war so there's a lot of that and i mean in the midst of all this they're i mean they're really good at figuring stuff out they're internally battling with their struggles and divulging stuff like they brush hands and like spark like they're just ignoring everything and then and she hates it that they feel that way yeah and then when they finally fit in the first book figure out who the monster is um which is kiren yes the assistant to i can't remember if the assistant to you i think one of the the nationalist groups or something yes and he's the carrier he he's a host so it's a parasite parasite has the so it's a big big parasite inside of him he becomes Mm -hmm. a monster and then he sprays out these bugs that are referred to like lice and it goes and it affects the people and causes them to do the madness so in order to stop that they have to kill the parasite to kill all the hosts and in the midst of that stop and get a cure for, you know make sure Alyssa's okay and without getting also, infected yeah without getting infected and then there's riots happening mm-hmm. in the in the factories because of poor work conditions hey it's all like yes. a perfect snowball storm she does a very good job of incorporating so many things like not just the monster the monster is the representation of what's happening mm-hmm. in their country at that time so i don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie the faculty it came out like in the night do you remember the faculty? I remember. I don't remember if I saw it. was like those weird, weird, like water creatures that came from another planet, and then they infected all the teachers in this school. And then um, it was one student who was like the host. He was like the carrier. She, because it was a girl, and it was just funny because uh, it. I found it interesting how she also sprays her like. So just imagine that. Yeah, and then you get infected and. Yes, but in the faculty, it just pretty much took over who you were as a person, kind of like body snatchers. Um, and in uh, the books, I think it's only sole purpose is just to kill and destroy, right? Yes. And so, uh, again, no spice at this point. So if you are looking for something to calm yourself down from all that, ooh, spice, this is a good read for that. From all that nastiness, kind of give you a reset. Uh, kind of give you a reset reset i'm hoping bloodlands helps me come back to although i'm not gonna lie we went to barnes and noble yesterday my look this is my bad I, let's just say this before we digress onto a whole different book i really do recommend this for you know a young adult romeo and juliet retelling yes. the writing is amazing the plot is great and all the representation of politics and forbidden love with the monster all of that I just can't praise Chloe Gong enough. Her writing is amazing. And I can't see wait to see what future endeavor she does and you know whether that continues to be retelling or if it's a brand new series um from her from her mind. I know she's still I think at the University of Pennsylvania. Please forgive me if I'm wrong, Chloe Gong, don't kill me. I know she's still in school, she's getting her degree. So I can't wait to see what comes next, what she has next. But we did Go to Barnes and Noble because, as true podcasters, what do you do? Even though you have a TBR at home, you go back to the bookstore. And we went to Half Price Books too, by the way. So just put a note to the bookstore. 
We didn't find anything at half price for that stood out that we didn't already have. Right. And she was going to get, okay, no, I just want to say the plan was she was supposed to get Night Circus. Which I, it's a standalone because I was like, I need something to just help me fill in the gaps before we go to Bloodlands in like two days. Yeah, like, uh, you know, we had finished these two books and then, then our next book comes out right. on Wednesday. So we had, I'm like, okay, a standalone book that we can have to. And you have a need, you know. To, to carry your time. And then I was like, ooh. As I were walking out, I'm like, Ice Planet Barbarian got a new cover. I can read this one in public because the old cover was a little, um, people were looking, looking at me in the airport like I was crazy, okay? Also, I was like excited too because I've heard about the book. And I was, I was like, oh, like, oh great. Blue yeah. Demon Dick. Yes. Is that a standalone price no. currently? It is a 22 book series. What the fuck, Melissa? I have. And now she's addicted and that's my bad. Yeah, I've only read like what twenty six pages of it, and already I'm like, I can't stop. So I fucking love you, but I fucking hate you right now because now we're not gonna be able to stop. And I want, I want to clarify how this went down. I was like, no, you get Night Circus. Yeah, but you went the blue demon dick in my face, and I was like, I'll get Ice Planet <laughs> Barbarians, and we'll see which one is like what what we like better. And if I if she liked Night Circus, I was gonna read it. And if I liked Ice Planet Barbarian, I was gonna read it. And then she goes, "Wait, is that with the blue dick alien dick that changes sizes?" And I was like, "I think so. Go get me one." And who am I <laughs> to say no? Hold my friend from Blue Demon Dick. Sorry, no, thank you. I'm gonna read this, and you read that. Whatever that is, Ugh. this is not knocking Night Circus. I've heard great things. I don't want to say it like that. I mean, we'll eventually read that because we're probably gonna have to need a filler in between Bloodlands. Cause we're gonna read that in like one day. I yeah. just know it. Uh, so, and yeah. in between waiting for House of Sky and Breath, we just we have so much to read, but we needed something, and I guess this is the fix. But and it's so funny too because I saw it on TikTok, and someone else was like, "Yeah, I read it as a joke." Not a joke anymore, guys. It's not. It, it, it's book. Well, and it's hilarious because you start with book one, and then there's book one point five, and then there's book two, and then there's two point five. So, what the fuck? We have these half books. Yeah. Anyway, we have problems. Yes, guys. It's okay. They're good problems. They're. But this is what we do. That's what we're here for you. We're here to have the problems so you can say yay or nay to these books. And I'm never gonna. Here's another thing, too, full disclaimer. Even if we don't like a book, we're not going to tear down someone's work because no. the author works super, super hard. Mm-hmm. And even if we don't like it, like, mind you, I know we had some strong opinions probably about Some Blood and Ash. We just said we didn't like it, but we still read it. But we would never tear down Jennifer L. Armentrout or anyone else because these authors work really, really, really hard to give us these worlds and these characters. Um, so if we don't like it, we'll probably just say it's not something that either we'll continue to read, but if it's, we'll tell you what it's about, you can decide if that's something you want to read. Just because we don't like it doesn't mean someone else won't. Not everything's our cup of tea, just like not everything's someone. We don't want to yuck someone's yum. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the other piece is that we have daughters and we want our daughters to have these strong, brave women, just like us, but we're not writers. And maybe one of our daughters might want to be a writer or an artist or something. And I think it's just, it's so, such an admirable quality. Like back in the day, women had to change their names to men's names to be published, right? And, or they had to be spinsters. And, you know, we have very few women uh, authors back in the day who were able to do this. And now 
there's just so many young, old, middle-aged, talented women who need to be heard, who need to be read. And this is not, just because it has smut does not mean it's not worth reading. I know that there's going to be a lot of intellectuals that are like, hey, you're just reading smut and crap. I mean, but you, I'm telling you, there's vocabulary. There's, there's world building. There's character development. If you, I mean, I'll never say this enough. Stacey Marie Brown, yes, there is smut in there. But there is so much good world building and action and plot and these characters that you grow to see where they started at to where they are now. That is the point. But it, like in real life, we have smut in real life. Hello. I, I think, no, I love her books. I, same thing with I, so our next venture, nice. like last year, I think our, was our Savage Land year. Yes. And this year, this summer, we're mm-hmm. hoping to make this our Zodiac Academy year. But same thing. There's smut in there, but it's we're not just reading it for the smut, obviously. It's a place to escape. But we escape. We escape into these worlds and wish that Shit, I wish I'd go and slay a dragon or slay a monster and find the love of my life. Because let me tell you, dating in 2022, 1 out of 10, I do not recommend. It's a whole other, like, novel she must have written. I could write a book on that. I mean, just surviving. You know what? That's going to be a topic. I'm going to start writing little plots of how I found the love of my life in a pandemic. Because <laughs> you know where In a panorama. Well, I don't know. Taking here needs to learn how to get some ovaries step up guys help help her out just tell her to step up and if you see this beautiful woman i don't know why she's afraid of rejection nobody's gonna say no to her she'd be saying like i'm so scared like she's got cockeyed going on over here and she does not and then she has to be handicapped in my left hand uh, i still think you should put like the phone number on your booty and then walk away so they can still see the number in case <laughs> i don't do well with rejection i just need someone to tell me like hey still you're most beautiful woman in the world I mean, no. But this is why, too, is because we read. Also, I think men are scared. Like, not all men. I'm just saying there's some men that are Most probably intimidated by someone like you. You are a tall, bootylicious, bodacious, beautiful woman. And you spread your confidence, like, the way you really don't have. Because you're like, hey, hey make it till you make it, right, Ben? Anyway. Um, so, in conclusion, our retelling of Romeo and Juliet. I think, I honestly think if this, if I had to read, if I was able to read this during my English high school class, I would totally do it. And I would write like a 10 page paper on how amazing it was and all, everything that she intertwined and meshed together. Um, But it was great. I can't wait to see what comes. I can't see what else. I can't wait to see what more Chloe Gong comes out with because she's an author. I would really love to see her growth. And it's an AR book, too. So I don't know if there's any teachers out there who are in high school and they want to get their kids into Romeo and Juliet. Because I know it's part of the curriculum and you have to do that boring-ass shit from Shakespeare. I feel like doing this first to get kids excited. About it. About it. And then do, like, a comparison. Ah, here's something. Like, you can compare, like, Shakespeare's to this and see, like, what are the differences? What are the similar? Oh, my God. And the 1920s, so it was. It's really awesome because it's like, you know, it's the 1920s. It's the flapper era, you know. And oh, the book art for this too, yes. the fan art. It's amazing. I mean, just to see the wardrobe, to see the Roma, like, Juliet in her, her flapper outfit, 
but with like the Shanghai twist. Yes. And then Roma and his like, you know, that gangster look with the little, like, I don't know what you call that hat, the, the ones that they used to wear back. Oh my God. I just am savoring it right now. I think men should dress like that. I yeah. don't like this. Like, don't, your, your pants should not be tighter than mine. And I don't want to hear in the tone when it came, maybe women need to be dressed. Yeah, fuck you. Okay. I need men to dress like, I need, I don't need to see your underwear. I, but I could see some balls or something else. Sorry, I digress. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> right. Guys. Well, that was our review for uh, These Violent Delights and Our Violent Ends. Yes. I highly suggest it for a good duology. Two books. That's it. Definitely. You don't have to. It's not like a 7, 8, 10, 22 book series. Um, but next week, we will be <laughs> uploading. <laughs> there are, we have a whole, obviously, we all have a whole list of our most anticipated releases of 2022. This is that one for us. This is Bloodland, which is book five in the Savage Land series by Stacey Lynn Brown. Comes out Wednesday, January 26th on all platforms, Kindle Unlimited. Uh, Buy the book. You can pre-order the ebook, but on Amazon and things of that nature, you have to wait until the actual day. Yeah. But it comes on all platforms Wednesday, January 26th. And so Sunday, January 30th, get your, I'm not going to say wine. You drink wine, get your bottle bottle of wine it's but i feel it's, like you really need to be drinking some whiskey some bourbon some hard shit warwick and grab that fireballs grab your book <laughs> best friend i mean she's not lying it's gonna get freaky deaky and the way the fourth book ended we have lots of questions that's how we're gonna read this book in a day so don't do me like this Mr. Brown. don't do me like this scorpion come on we're afraid someone important is gonna be unalived <laughs> we just don't want it to happen so thank you We'll see you next week. Bye, guys. Bye.